Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. We've come a little ways into the podcast. Um, this is going to be episode 16, I believe. And uh, I want to I want to shift gears to not just addressing things that we deal with, but I want to shift to sh- the actual strengthening of our heart. That's we began with our heart's ambition, where we aim for things. But I want to talk about now um, in today's podcast and moving forward uh, into the strengthening of the heart, because as we aim, uh, sometimes we miss uh, for that which we aim. And so I want to talk about how we strengthen that aim. And that resolve, Proverbs 4 and verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The Proverbs writer says that our Lord said it. And so that's the focus here. Uh, As preachers, we're going to have our hearts tested. As servants, shepherds, deacons, uh, for those of you who work in whatever capacity in the kingdom, you're going to have your heart tested. Like it or not, ready or not, um, in the last 15 episodes, as I said, we've considered the, the heart level tests that we can expect to face. And some of these tests are very highly predictable and we can we can anticipate them. But others will come as a surprise. They'll come as an ambush. They will be in the unexpected moments. And, and all of them call us to take Proverbs 4.23 to heart and to keep our hearts with all vigilance. And so when we talk about uh, guarding or keeping our hearts, um, we may be only thinking about defense. And fending off temptations that, that threaten or, or trip us or take us down or whatever. But keeping our hearts requires more than being reactive. We have to become proactive. We, we must not only play defense, we need to go on the offense. And we must intentionally fortify our hearts, uh, strengthening our souls for the tests that we will certainly face, that will come our way. And so in part two, we're going to focus the shift from being reactive and how to deal with things to becoming very or more proactive and so when setting on how um, focusing on how to respond um, and how to respond well when our hearts are tested we're going to consider in in this second half um, how to prepare in advance for future tests and so in the next lord willing um, 10 episodes we're going to highlight specific ways that we can actively strengthen our souls as servants in the kingdom of God. It's about 2005, 2006. Uh, I'm at a junior college uh, getting ready to go to a shorter university to play college football and uh, get a phone call from Jim Nichols starting a team at Faulkner University, a brotherhood college. Uh, They were looking forward to cranking up the next fall and wanted me to come and so I did uh and just I think it was just a few weeks before before I was supposed to report to shorter summer camp for football uh within about two days I made the transition and called uh coach Jones over at shorter and said uh thank you coach but um making a transition down to Montgomery Alabama and as a college football athlete, it is no longer about a sport. It is about a J-O-B. <laughs> Do you hear me? Um, you are a professional uh, being paid to play um, individual, and you go to school on the side. That's about what it feels like. They're paying you to be there through scholarship. 
uh, and I had a wonderful time, thankful for my opportunities to play at Faulkner and meet who I met and go where I went and, and all of that. But it, it became a uh, it became a job, and your body uh, and your abilities were uh, to be protected and to be um, ministered to and well-maintained. Had you not taken care of your body, had you not stayed on the diet that you were supposed to, had you not worked out and slept well and rested and don't do anything foolish, then, um, or rather, had you done something foolish, um, you know, twist your knee, break something by by being ridiculous, I don't know, let's say riding a bull per se, um, then they would have they would have vetoed your scholarship and had you. Um, Start paying yourself to be there if you decided to want to stay there. Uh, you are theirs and their property, and they're paying you to be there. So you've got to take care of your physical responsibilities. Uh, whether it's college football, whether you're a music major, uh, maybe it's voice, um, you know that you've got to take care of your voice. You've got to take care of your body. You've got to take care of things, whatever your profession may be. Whatever you're paid to do, whatever your craft is, you've got to take care of that. As a preacher, just for me personally, I have a primary instrument, and it is not my voice, it is not my mind, it is not my abilities per se. My primary instrument as a preacher of the gospel is my soul. The non-physical part of my being that has the job of capturing and conveying the messages of God's Word. My soul uh, is my instrument uh, that God has given me to voice His gospel. The gospel has to come from the soul, not from the voice. Uh, I, I say this over and over here at Piedmont Road. The first sermon, the first soul that has to respond to the sermon is that of the preacher. But you know, the Bible uses uh, soul and heart. Uh, and mind in different ways, and it shows a, a, a very good deal of semantic overlap. I, I view personal soul care uh, as an essential part of guarding my heart, uh, and through this podcast, I want to help you you know, guard yours. Uh, we've got to keep our souls, our instruments, in great, good physical shape and condition, or we will be very poor preachers. We will be poor servants in the kingdom of God. Whatever your ministry may be, your soul um, is the heartbeat of your ministry. Uh, I've talked to Tucker Wallace at GBN. I've talked to um, Chase Green. I've talked to several different folks. I mean, I, I get requests of things and people who aren't necessarily in uh, preaching uh, who who want to uh, magnify what they're doing. And, and so if we're doing any kind of work in the kingdom from teaching a Bible class to preaching the gospel, to um, working wherever we are, shepherding souls, the very first instrument, the very first thing that must be taken care of is our own soul. To better care for our own soul, we need to make four commitments that together help keep our souls in good shape for preaching, teaching, ministry, whatever that may be. Number one, cultivate a devotional life bigger than my sermon. Me personally, I can't preach to individuals and say, y'all need to study your Bibles uh, when I'm being paid to preach. If I'm going to preach, that's my vocation, and I'm going to study for my sermon. But there's also going to be a devotional 
set aside a time period for me. I'm going to be listening to an audiobook, or I'm going to be reading an audiobook. I'm going to be going through a podcast or a study, something that is completely unrelated to my sermon for my good, for my development. Uh, maybe it's for the craft of preaching. Maybe it's for the uh, the counseling of people in front of me, or maybe it's a, a particular sin that I'm working through, working on, uh, trying to defeat. Um, that's just something that I do. So number one, cultivate a devotional life bigger than my sermon preparation. That's just for me. My sermon preparation um, necessarily gets me into the Word of God, and that, and that's a true delight. I'm thankful that I get to I, I I'm paid to do what I'm do. Um, for many weeks, the the biblical study that I do uh, for for sup, for sermon preparation is so um, spiritually enriching for my personal soul. Uh, God's word begins its work in me when I hear uh, the word being preached uh, through the word. That's how He does His work. Having said that, I find it very important to have a devotional life, as I've said. Uh, that's in Scripture that is larger than my sermon preparation. So what I will do, um, as I said, I, I'll find something in particular that's outside of my sermon preparation um, that's that's meant for me and for me. And so I, I will glean uh, in that field uh, just for me. That's that's my time. It's 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 my that's my focus for me. Um, so to protect a soul against. Um, I guess, coming to Scripture for, for work only and not for worship, I need an unhurried time to linger in God's presence, to listen carefully uh, to the Scripture through through the Spirit's work. Um, and it's right there where you and I commune with God in secret. That's our time. Uh, and, and here, and only here, is our soul shaped in very private ways that ultimately do show up in the public arena of life and ministry. Number two, I get my soul happy in God. Uh, George Mueller, who lived a very busy life in leading an orphanage um, and preaching uh, in the religious world, he started each day with the conviction that his, quote, first great and primary business was to have his soul, quote, happy in God. Mueller was very much onto something very important. Uh, if you listen to um, others in the religious world for the sake of for the sake of education, for the sake of learning doctrine and things of of the world, uh, John Piper is also a very a very good study. One who is what he considers himself a Christian hedonist. That the soul that is happy in God is the most is the soul that glorifies God the most. That's his approach. It's a very good approach, very very biblical approach that that our soul has to be happy in God. Number one, uh, if our souls are not finding joy, they're not finding satisfaction in God. They become thin, brittle. They lack vitality. They lack uh, resiliency. But on the other hand, when our souls are filled with all the fullness of God, Ephesians three nineteen, we're able to preach out of the overflow. And I don't always recommend that, but but sometimes overflow comes in hand. Uh, sometimes I'll have something to preach written down, but overflow kicks in, and it winds up being better than what I had written down. So our confidence and our contentment in God uh, really colors the way that we communicate. Now, while we remain very serious about God's Word, we are less prone to become 
somber and heavy, less less likely to, to stick to our notes as preachers or our work. The, the joy in our soul bubbles up in our ministry. So whatever you find yourself doing in the kingdom, if your soul is happy in God and your soul is fixated on God, then you're going to experience less burnout, very much so less burnout. But if it's inward, if it's focused on the product or the fruit, then just expect that 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 burnout to, to show up. But let's ask the question, how do we get our souls happy in God? Now, as Mueller discovered, uh, this, this involves regular extended times of saturating our souls in Scripture uh, and strengthening our souls through prayer. But there's a little bit more to it. Um, a satisfied, joyful soul comes as we take time and make space to enjoy the many gifts and graces that God grants us. I mean, let's talk about a walk in the woods or just uh, something that I am looking to do here. I, I tried to do it this past Monday, but the little single-shot one-person cabin that I tried to rent was ant-infested. Uh, you need you need personal retreats. You need to you need to enjoy the little things of life. I mean, maybe it is a Sunday afternoon nap, um, but but I mean, take a bite of a peach for goodness sake, and just just exposit that bite of that peach, and it, or, or just enjoy enjoy your friends. Don't be some hermit who's cooped up like uh, some sort of savant over the, over God's word. Get away. Go to the lake. Uh, go 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 necessarily to the beach. I mean, go somewhere. Um, and enjoy the gifts of God that he gives to all humanity. It will do you a lot of good. God speaks to us, yes, number one, through his word, but he also, uh, the heavens are screaming out of the glory of God. And so so go enjoy those things. God's gifts become avenues for enjoying him. A guy by the name of Joe Rigney, he says, beams of glory that we, can ch- that we chase back to the source. We don't set God and, uh, and his gifts in opposition to each other as though they are rivals. Instead, in the words of uh, Charles Simeon, we enjoy God in everything and everything in God. Now, this isn't to say God's, quote, over in that rock over there, but there's a sense in which that is true. That is his creation. That is something that he has set uh, in stone, pun intended, um, for our good and, and his glory. So getting and keeping our souls happy in God uh, rarely comes easily amidst the pressures and the pulls of life and ministry. But but we've got to make it our first great primary business is that my soul is happy uh, in God, in Jesus, in His Spirit. It has to be. It has to be. This will mean that we follow um, a very wise counsel. Arrange my life. Arrange your life so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. Number three, avoid whatever sullies my soul. Nothing nothing really blunts a preacher or, or, or a minister or a servant in the kingdom like sin. Not fatigue, not failure, not sickness, suffering, sin in many of its influences manifestations interrupts fellowship with God and it hinders the flow of the Spirit's power through us. Go to go to the Word. Stay in the Word. Meditate on the Word. Let the Word and God be your utmost joy. Uh, 
guy by the name of Sam Storms uh, observes that, that sin desensitizes us like spiritual Novocaine. It numbs one's heart to the horror of self-centeredness and rebellion against God. You as a servant have to keep a sensitive heart toward God. You've got to allow very quickly um, your your time and effort being put into the Word of God. Don't expect... Don't expect this is this is how the Holy Spirit works is through His Word. This is how He this is the medium in which He alerts us. He He awakens us uh, in an age that's trying to get woke. And I understand what what that age is trying to say and being aware. And is there a need for that? Yes, but the utmost need and awareness of wokeness, if you will, is from the Spirit of God, which comes from the Word of God. We have to be about that. We have to be. Uh, awake to that, um, we have to we have to be enraptured in that. We have to be a sensitive heart and have a sensitive heart. Susanna Wesley was uh, John Wesley's mother, and uh, she taught her children to see sin as anything that caused them to fall short of the glory of God. And she said, if you would judge the lawfulness or the unlawfulness of pleasure, then take this simple rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tendency of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, and takes off the relish of spiritual things, that to you is sin. Now, remembering those words um, may stop you from reading a best-selling novel, because in order to keep reading, we would have to silence our conscience. At other times, we, we, we opt to forego watching a critically acclaimed movie uh, because it would mess with our spiritual mind and heart. It means maybe sometimes pulling away from watching the NFL um, because you, you look at something and you, you look at uh, maybe it's the cheerleaders on the sideline. Maybe it's the beer commercials over and over. Uh, whatever your conscience is sensitive to, you need to listen to that. Um, you know, you can be overly absorbed with any team's success or failure. Uh, we've we've got a great, great deacon here, and that was his hang-up, that he was a big sports fan, and he realized that it was a true detriment to his spiritual health, that when his team won, he was high as a kite. When his team lost, he was as low as, as it could be. So we, we've got to focus on that. We've, we've got to make sure, is there anything earthly that's causing me to lose delight in God and get rid of it? It's not worth it. So my point in all this is not to impose a personal standard on other people, not, not legalism. But, but legalism, legalism is both um, unbiblical, unproductive, to bind an opinion or a standard that God has not. Colossians 2, 20 through 23 but as preachers, as elders, as deacons, as servants in the kingdom, you've got to prioritize the maintenance of your spiritual life uh, in practical, practical and personalized ways. What will help you best keep your soul safe? And that's what you do. That's what you do. Uh, some people will hear this and they'll just they'll just balk. They'll laugh. Ah, oh, you can watch that anyway. Ah, oh, you can do that. And ah, oh, you can go here. Ah, oh, you can go there. And, and I'm not going to bind where God hasn't bound. But but don't bind your looseness on other people. Just as much as you don't bind your tightness or what, what bothers your conscience on other people, don't, don't bind your looseness on other people. If you have a liberal conscience, and I'm not saying that's bad, um, 
Jesus had a very liberal conscience. He, he was very um, patient when it came to the sins of the world. He, he watched uh, people sin in grievous ways and, and, and was able to endure that, knowing the end and knowing their soul and knowing how it would turn out. So in some ways, he, he knew things that we didn't. Um, but if you're, if you're able to go and do things liberally that don't offend Scripture, then go and do them. But don't, don't bind them on other people. Some people, like I said, will laugh at this. Um, but are you doing everything to step in, keep in step with the Spirit, especially in regards to ministry? Um, will we miss out on some things in life? Sure, sure. Uh, but I would counter with a question, how important is it for you to have your instrument, which is your soul, in top spiritual condition? If you and I agree that the condition of our soul is crucial in communicating God's message and being faithful as a shepherd or whatever you are, then you will and I will commit ourselves to avoiding whatever pulls us away, whatever sullies our soul, um, whatever obscures my sense of God, whatever whatever causes me to stop blushing, then I need to get that, that sort of mess out of my life. Number four, preach the gospel to myself every day, especially on Sundays. That's for me as a preacher. No matter how committed we are to walking in humility, walking in holiness, uh, we will stumble at times. This is why we need our Lord. This is why we need His grace. It is impossible to walk through this fallen world and not dirty our feet and muddy our souls. Our sense of God will become very obscured at times. Um, we our, our fixation on him will become uh, flawed from time to time. Uh, we will lose our joy in the Lord, in spiritual things from time to time. Our souls will not always feel happy in God. No, I'm not giving us a license. I'm just making a very blunt, realistic word. Um, the longer we live in this life, will there be less and less propensity to sin? Yes as we walk in the Spirit. But we will always have the propensity to sin. There's some people who are comfortable with that conversation, and there's people who aren't. But the fact remains is that you will not be perfect, and you need your Lord. So Sunday comes as scheduled. It comes whether or not our sermons are ready, preacher, and it comes whether our souls, whether or not our souls are ready. If I had to choose... I'd rather, I'd rather step up to preach with my sermon unfinished than my soul unprepared. Preaching becomes a very heavy burden when we cannot honestly sing it is well with my soul. Speaking with a conscience or a soul that has been sold by sin, that has been soiled by sin, um, or we are allured by sin, it leaves us feeling as posers, not, not preachers. So that's why, preacher, that you must not only preach the gospel to other people, but you've got to preach to yourself and preach to yourself first. We have to begin by preaching the gospel to our own souls. Whatever you do, as you go out and fulfill Galatians 6.1 in calling up brethren, not calling out brethren, but calling them up, you first have to consider yourself and make sure that your soul concerning this sin is safe, but with a spirit of humility, as the verse goes on to tell us. On Sundays, 
when our souls are clouded uh, by grief, by guilt, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves before we preach it to the congregation. We, we must not presume upon God's grace. We still must preach the good news to our own heart. As preachers, we are right in seeing personal holiness as a prerequisite for faithful and fruitful proclamation of God's word. We've got to keep constantly uh, the heed from Paul. Uh, to Timothy, a young preacher, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers, 1 Timothy 4.16. We've got to be vigilant to pray for spiritual protection. The Lord himself prayed, Matthew 6 and 13. We've got to do this. Lord, deliver us from temptation. Keep us from those things. We've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We have to. When we read in the Bible, uh, when we read the word to put to death the deeds of the body, that's the Spirit of God commanding us to do that. We've got to keep in step in that, Romans 8 and verse 13. We've got to take heart to the admonition to be killing sin or it will be killing you. And when we give way to temptation and fall into sin, we have to be very quick to respond uh, to the Spirit's conviction from the word, confessing our sins, trusting in Jesus for our, for our cleansing. Uh, it's there, and it, it is continually cleansing me, First John 1 and verse 9. If we are to be useful to the Master in our ministry as preachers, we must be cleansed and set apart as holy, Second Timothy 2, 20 through 21. The subtle danger for preachers comes when we forget that our usefulness is always based on God's grace, not us, not our ability, not our talents, not our relatability, but God's grace. A fellow by the name of Jerry Bridges reminds us that our own worst days, that on our worst days, we are not beyond the reach of God's grace, and on our best days, we are not beyond the need for it. Preaching the gospel to ourselves helps me, helps you, reminds, reminds us of God's grace. So when we sense, know, feel, whatever word you want to put in there, that, 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 our sense of God is obscured by sinful, foolish, unwise, maybe, choices. We've got to come back to the cross. We've got to claim the gift of forgiveness that he gives to us. We've got to pick that up. We've got to use it. We've got to pray for pray for that and be, be repent, repentant of, of that action. So when Satan tempts us to believe that our sins and our failures um, render us unworthy or unusable to God, we've got to remind ourselves that we are forgiven not because of the depth of our sorrows, but because of the depth, the death of God's Son, Ephesians 1.7. We do not earn our way back into God's good graces. We come boldly by faith to find grace and mercy in our time of need, Hebrews 4.14-16. Preachers must preach the gospel, starting with ourselves, especially on Sundays. Maybe we uh, don't really grasp the fact, the need to tend to our personal soul. Maybe you think, well, I don't really have time to do that. Well, you... You need to make time. Uh, your soul um, and personal soul care is not a luxury, uh, but a necessity. Uh, I'm off on Mondays, and sometimes I just leave. Sometimes I'll go away. Sometimes I'll uh, go do something that is therapeutic to me and for me as a preacher, as as a Christian, uh, as we've talked about on, on the Blue Mondays. Um, sometimes we just feel overwhelmed. And so soul care is absolutely crucial. Don't, don't work yourself to death. Don't. We, we need you. We need longevity in the kingdom. 
Strengthening our hearts to proclaim God's word calls for personal soul care. This kind of soul care always involves prayer. We pray to commune with God, to keep our souls happy in Him, to repent of sin, to strengthen our hearts in the gospel of God's grace. But prayer really plays an, a larger role uh, for us as preachers. We must pray throughout the entire process of preaching. 